Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. At the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, Big City Mayors, Caucus, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger has reinforced the importance of having a national housing strategy, something that's very important to him and a lot of people. And to talk more about all of this, the Mayor of Hamilton, Fred Eisenberger, is with us now. Good afternoon, Mayor. How are you today? I am fantastic, Scott. First of, first of all, tell us about the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, the Big City Mayor's Caucus. What's the objective here? Well, the, uh, the Federation uh, you know, represents all municipalities across the country, so the, uh, the intent is and has been that uh, we speak with one voice in, in, uh, in municipalities where most of the services today are being delivered. So we've had the opportunity to impress upon the uh, federal government the need for an infrastructure program. We've been doing that for probably the better t- part of 10 or 15 years. Uh, we haven't had much traction in the past, and uh, today we have a federal government that is uh, very much in sync with the needs of municipalities and the, the, the understanding that there additional resources have to be provided and uh, working directly with municipalities to actually achieve that. So we're looking forward to, uh, as, you, as you well know, a $60 billion infrastructure spend that uh, gets broken down into a number of different categories, affordable housing, uh, transit, uh, hard infrastructure like road and sewers. And so the uh, the Federation uh, has done a terrific job of uh, speaking on behalf of municipalities across the country to get us to this point. And uh, I think we're at a very good spot. Uh, do you find that most of the municipalities are in the same position that Hamilton is in some form or another? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're uh, we're not unique uh, in terms of uh, our infrastructure deficit, uh, whether it's affordable housing or transit or uh, or roads and sewers. Uh, it is uh, is it's endemic right across the country. Uh, obviously, uh, some municipalities worse off than most. We're probably in the middle of the pack. Uh, larger municipalities like Toronto, uh, you know, the numbers go up uh, proportionate to the uh, the size of the municipality. Uh, you know, we, in Hamilton, for instance, we have a waiting list on the affordable housing side of about 5,000. In Toronto, it's about 30,000. Hmm. So uh, proportionally, uh, you know, the bigger the city gets, the bigger the, uh, the, the ratio of the problem that exists. Uh, and, yes, it's right across the country. And I think, finally, we have a, a federal government that understands that uh, the downloading is over. It's time for them to step into uh, helping municipalities both provincially and federally, in fact, uh, uh, you know, achieve their goals and uh, and repair and, and restore the cities where most people today live. Hmm. Uh, it, this is this must have changed the tone of these meetings over the last year or so. It must have tra- changed dramatic dramatically. Well, I mean, we uh, <laughs> over the last ten years or so, uh, we we uh, we fell on deaf ears. You know, yeah. the kind of the city mayor's caucus got together. Uh, we didn't have a federal partner to go to. We uh, they, their their attitude was, uh, you work with provincial provinces and uh, don't uh, don't bother calling us. Work through your provincial uh, organization, which are you know is your parent. Um, you know what we need. Why is that not a good idea, Fred? Why doesn't that work? Well, because we we need a three three uh, three level of government uh, kind of working relationship. You know, we're all working for the same taxpayer. Uh, uh, all of all of us are are required to. Uh, uh, define our resources and make sure that we use them efficiently and effectively. Uh, previously, it was all cap and hand kind of approach where mm. sir, the municipalities had to go to the federal government and say, we need more resources. They understood that, but all the projects were individual projects that uh, gave no latitude towards the municipality in terms of picking the projects. It was really a political process by and large. And right now we're on a process that uh, really talks about needs. 
uh, needs in municipalities that uh, you know are, are affordable housing, uh, whether it's uh, water and sewer treatment plants. Those needs are different across the country, so you can't have a per capita funding formula on a population basis because it doesn't really address the different levels of needs in different communities. So we have now a government that understands that and is responsive to that and is prepared to uh, to do funding based on on the needs across the country. What is the importance of a national housing strategy? What will this give you? What tools will this give you that will help uh, everyone in, in all municipalities attend uh, to this problem? What's yeah, the advantages? So as, I, as I just left off, I mean, I, I, you know, we're, our call for a strategy is, is uh, resonating with the federal government. Uh, they are working towards a needs-based or per-door type of uh, funding arrangement which really narrows it down to needs. So in municipalities where there isn't affordable housing and in many small communities that it just doesn't exist, that uh, they don't need funding for affordable housing. And in, in places like Hamilton and Windsor and Toronto and Kitchener, uh, we have, uh, we have uh, you know, in- current infrastructure problems and the affordable housing side of just state of good repair. Uh, so uh, the first tranche of funding will likely deal with that issue, and then uh, secondarily we'll start looking at the ability to uh, to build some new that may not address all of the wait list, but certainly will get us started on a path towards uh, more predictable funding that will get us uh, some, some new build affordable housing that uh, will help house our citizens going into the future. And, you know, again, it's a, it's a problem across the country. It's not like Hamilton or anyone else is standing up and saying, it's only me. Uh, it is uh, largely larger municipalities with the significant problem. And uh, right now we see a government, federal government, that's saying we're going to uh, help, help address the need as opposed to just handing out money to everybody and then see how that works out. As you mentioned, it appears in some areas we've fallen behind. Can we get ahead of this? Can we ever get ahead of this? Um, I, I think I think with a sustained effort we can, uh, but it needs a predictable source of funding, and it also needs a private sector uh, contribution. So it's not not as if this is all going to be government funding. The private sector is willing to uh, to help uh, build on a on a for profit basis, on a reasonable profit basis. We have a number of not for profit organizations out there that build uh, that do great work in, in terms of providing affordable housing that doesn't cost the taxpayers uh, much money at all. So there are a number of creative ways that we can uh, create partnerships that can do much more than we're doing today. And I, I, I really think that uh, we can get on top of this problem, but it's just going to have to be a creative multi, multi-government uh, and private sector effort to uh, to get that achieved. And I think that's very, very doable. Uh, a lot of times in situations like this, the public has a hard time understanding what the money is being used for, where the money goes. You've asked for $50 million over 10 years for a, strategy, a, a housing strategy in the city. Is there anything yep. more you can tell people about how this is actually helping rather than, you know, sort of a binder twine and Band-Aid scenario? Yeah, this, uh, well, I mean, for, uh, for the 20 million we've identified, uh, in Hamilton for affordable housing, uh, these, these are our funds. We're hoping that that will leverage the additional dollars from other levels of government. So, uh, my, my view was if we're the first in line and we say we've got our, we've got our money on the table, uh, that puts us in a very good position to get uh, those resources quickly and significantly. And it will go directly towards right now to state of good repair. So we have a, a number of units in our municipality that are, that are derelict. That uh, we haven't had the, the funds to to bring up to a state of good repair. So we're gonna we're gonna align those those dollars to that 
predominantly. Uh, and uh, it, it, to do them all in the state of good repair would probably be about $100 million. So we're, we're, we're scratching the surface with this. But uh, if, if the government of Canada decides to put significant monies into this in partnership with the province, then we can go a long way to getting all the units that are out there in state of good repair and then looking towards building new. So Units being, uh, you know, wherever we have affordable housing, whether they're towers or condominiums or single-family homes, um, some of them, a percentage of them, are are empty right now because we they're not livable. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to make them livable. And that will uh, certainly increase the housing stock. We also have rent supports uh, that we uh, utilize. It's not the only thing we do as a municipality. Uh, so we're, we're, you know, those this is over and above what we're already doing. And then the hope is that uh, any additional dollars over and above that will uh, will contribute to a partnership that can provide uh, a mechanism to build to build build new new affordable housing. And we know that uh, you know affordable housing these days is getting harder and harder to achieve. So yeah. for many people, uh, the in- the increasing pricing uh, both in, in rents and in in uh, home ownership uh, is leaving a lot of people behind. So. Uh, that is why we're seeing this kind of a gap, and that's why we have to fill it. Are, why is this such a hard sell? I, I think there's a belief that uh, that uh, you know people are scamming the system. I think uh, you know people have this uh, kind of notion that, that people in poverty want to be there, and they're they're choosing these uh, these circumstances. Uh, I think we've made some really great headway over the last ten years in Hamilton of. Uh, this dissuading people of that notion. I think uh, most people that are uh, having uh, housing problems and homelessness problems and affordability problems, poverty problems, don't want to be there. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 we, we lived in affordable housing or social housing uh, in, the, in my youth, and it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a challenge for uh, for families to kind of break out of that cycle. So, uh, to give people a stable housing environment, to give them to the, the the basic necessities of life. Uh, is kind of where we are today. This uh, there's talk about uh, a guaranteed income process nationally that uh, the federal government's weighing into, as is the province in terms of a basic income. And I think those steps are going to be very important because we know that unemployment hovers at six, seven, eight uh, percent here in uh, here in Winnipeg. It's up upwards of nine uh, percent right now because of the uh, the oil crunch. And uh, these are folks that are being displaced for. Uh, not, not, not because of anything they've done, but because the employment just isn't there. So, do we, do we uh, also look after those eight or nine or ten percent of the population that is uh, struggling and uh, would just like to contribute uh, with a reasonable quality of life in our community? And I think that's a. I think people are coming to understand that now. When I announced the uh, fifty million dollars for affordable housing and poverty, it was acclaimed uh, throughout the city. Uh, not a, not a ripple of complaint. People understand the need uh, today. And they understand that it's going to be a, a, a collective effort to get on top of it. And uh, I'm, I'm pleased to see that people are accepting that as something that we need to collectively do. You've talked about how you grew up as a kid. Harder yep. then than it is now. What can you learn from that experience to help this generation? I think yeah, I think the gap between have and have not has increased significantly. I mean, back, uh, back in the, the 60s, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, people had humble homes and uh, didn't have two cars in the driveway and, uh, you know, didn't have multiple TVs. I mean, it was uh, the gap, the income gap between poverty and the middle class wasn't all that great. Today, it's much, much greater. And so it's uh, even more difficult to for people to land on uh, an affordable home or uh, or be able to uh, 
to utilize, uh, you know, a basic income to uh, sustain themselves. <clears throat> and the income that's provided is um, just just enough, barely enough for people to survive. And so often they have to make choices between between food and uh, and rent, uh, rent uh, which is, I think, a, a very tenuous position to be in. So I think it's much more tenuous today. Uh, we have... Uh, you know, about one in five kids in our, our community that are at or below the poverty line, I think that's significantly higher than it has been in the past. And that, uh, I think, is a, is a result of uh, the kind of income disparity that we're seeing between uh, the affluent and the, and, the, and the less so. You talked about breaking the cycle. How much of a factor of that plays into this? I mean, you know, you, you mentioned that people don't want to be here. How difficult is it to break that cycle? Uh, it's a challenge, but I think, uh, you know, in my view, uh, for, for my family and for many families, uh, education is the path to prosperity, I think, for, me, for most. So uh, the, 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 the poverty strategy that we've been on for the last 10 years is largely focused on making sure kids uh, are properly fed when they go to school, even if they don't, haven't had anything at home, they can get something at school. Uh, if they can be properly fed, then they can learn well. Uh, make sure they have the right resources, the supplies, the uh, the backpacks, and you know if, if, even if they're in poverty and they can't afford it, that we still provide it. So they have the tools to get a proper education and get on to being contributing members of our society. So that's a, I think that's a focus uh, that's happening right now with the uh, Community Foundation. Uh, it's neighborhood development, and it's uh, a focus for them to uh, look at the middle school years and uh, provide all of those resources to make sure that they can get through. And there's other uh, early years, and then there's the later high school years to for for a prior to the uh, post-secondary education that uh, we may also need to put some supports in place for. So uh, I think education is the, is the path of prosperity, and if we can provide uh, hmm. an education for those that are in poverty, they, uh, they will break that cycle of poverty, and that's the path we're on. Uh, why is this resonating with you? Is it what you see going on in the city, or is it how you grew up and how you've accomplished what you've accomplished over time? Yeah, you know what? I, 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 my, it's not about my past. It's about what's happening today. And my, my frustration is we're, we're worse off today than we were then. And mm. so uh, we haven't put in the resources and the, uh, the appropriate uh, supports that, that that help break that cycle of poverty. We can't we can't just cast that sector of society off uh, and you know keep them at a at a marginal level. We need to have them be contributing members in our society, one way or the other. Uh, other countries do much more than we are doing as a, as a nation or as a municipalities or a province. Uh, they uh, they guarantee an income for uh, anyone that's unemployed, uh, and uh, and they can uh, continue to be contributing members of our society. I see it, uh, Scott, as a a cost saving measure because people in poverty. Uh, make poor choices, hmm. they make poor food choices, which affects their health, mm-hmm. or they make poor choices in terms of uh, getting into crime, uh, trying, to, trying to get what everyone else has, and uh, you know, trying to achieve that through uh, nefarious means. And that, uh, that costs us uh, additional dollars in the health care system and in the incarceration system and the policing and court and justice system. That uh, if, uh, if we were to provide them a, a reasonable standard of living, uh, they, wouldn't, they would, probably wouldn't incur. So I think over the long run, I think this, this has been demonstrated in other studies, that uh, if you uh, do the preventative work, uh, you, will, you will actually uh, achieve uh, cost savings and free up space in the health care system and in the uh, court, court and uh, justice system. So I, I really see it as a cost saving measure. We know what you guys are doing and girls are doing as politicians. Do we have to do more as citizens? 
Uh, I think uh, I think as citizens, it's uh, it's really about an acceptance that uh, that uh, the, the governments need to do more and and to uh, to support that. Uh, you know, we could have a hue and cry across the country, I suppose, for people saying, "Don't give any more money to people that are poor." Uh, that would be a, a dreadful, terrible mistake, and I don't, I don't sense that that's what's happening. I think people are realizing that there is uh, more to be done here, and they're they're accepting of that. So, when they pay their tax bill, that they uh, don't begrudge the notion that they're paying a little bit extra to uh, to help others. Uh, I think that's an attitudinal change that I think is taking hold, and I think needs to continue. And I, I think that's the kind of support that we need from our citizens to accept what uh, what governments needs to do to ensure that we provide a reasonable standard of living for everyone and keep our costs in line in terms of the health care system or the justice system or whatever the impacts are in, in those other levels of, uh, of support. So I think that's, uh, that's uh, and citizens could also volunteer, quite frankly. There's mm. lots of need uh, in uh, communities, in, in the food banks and in the schools and in the tutoring. Uh, certainly retired folks that uh, may have been teachers or educators or uh, professionals can... Uh, Volunteer in uh, in the school system and mentor kids uh, through uh, through their uh, through their early years through their educational process. Uh, that those are great supports that gives you know, you know a lot of uh, people in our community the kind of respect that they're looking for, and gives them an opportunity to learn from others that have uh, have established themselves as uh, contributing members, and uh, they can follow a pattern that is going to be much more fruitful for their own lives. So. There's much that citizens can do, and uh, I see that happening every day. Well said. Mayor Fred Eisenberger has been with us at the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, Big City Mayor's Caucus, and, of course, reinforcing the importance of having a national housing strategy there. Mayor Fred, thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated. Thanks, Scott. Thank Thank you.